0: On February 4th, Justice Minister Sérgio Modo presented his first bill after taking office. His anti-crime plan, as the set of proposals was called, includes several measures against organized crime. And for the first time, it singles out urban militias as one of the targets of the state. It may seem ludicrous now, but urban armed militias were once well-regarded in Rio de Janeiro. Made up of police officers, firefighters and prison guards, Read Professionals with the right to carry firearms militias were originally thought to be a positive thing. They were society's reaction to fill a void left by the state in gang dominated favelas. Many politicians defended these militias, and yes, that includes President Jair Bolsonaro.
1: Tem gente que é favorável a milícia. Porque a maneira que eles têm.
0: This is him during a radio interview explaining that in militia-controlled areas, citizens are safe. Reality, though, is much more complex. Disarmed groups dominate over 170 communities in Rio and are guilty of extorting residents, controlling commerce and committing all kinds of illegal activity, including assassinations. How did these groups become part of Rio's everyday life? And how can the state regain control on the areas in which militias reign? My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, Editor-in-Chief of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. Before discussing Rio's armed militias, let's first define what they are exactly. According to sociologist Inácio Cano, one of the biggest authorities in the field, five things define a textbook militia from Rio de Janeiro. Number one, the control of territory and the population living in it by an illegal armed group. Number two, the coercive nature of this control. Three, armed groups seek individual profit as a central motivation for their actions. Number four, the participation of agents of the state. Like we've mentioned, police officers, firefighters, prison guards, or even elected officials. And finally, a narrative aimed at legitimizing their actions through the notion that these groups are the only thing capable of keeping citizens safe. The narrative, however, doesn't hold water when we look into how they operate, and also how these militias came to be. As explains Alcísio Canetti, a lawyer and host of Lado B do Rio, a podcast about Rio de Janeiro.
1: It's a long history, that dates from the 50s, when death squads started to form in the poorer neighborhoods of, of Rio, you know, officers of the police corps and the military, they were paid to, you know, dispose of undesired people. They started venturing on illegal gambling. Nobody really... Them. They were untouchable because they had connections with the dictatorship. They were like middle ranked uh, military officers and etc. And also because you know they greased a lot of hands that's very important and they made the carnival what it is you know, like they funded the carnival mostly in the 80s in the 70s. So they were seen as this lesser evil. So, uh, being the lesser evil they were. They started to, you know, venture in other capitalist activities. They realized that protection was a very good one.
0: But what exactly do these militias protect citizens from? Well, they say it's from drug traffickers, but residents are buying protection from the very militias who are charging them. Once a militia takes control of a territory, its leaders typically branch out, reaching for other sources of revenue.
1: They started to control every activity that the states wouldn't provide like public transportation oh you don't get public transportation we're gonna have private transportation for you and they assured that the, the, the public power the the states would never would never provide anything because they had connections so you know, you leave them alone we take care of them and they take care of us in a sense uh, but the you know the, the big boom, of the militia power in Rio is probably 15 to 20 years uh, old. It, it began mainly back in the early 2000s, where their uh, business model, let's say, uh, started to expand beyond a couple of favelas. And they started to have a lot of political connections to people, uh, to ex-mayors, of Rio, such as Eduardo Paes, who defended them, to ex-senators, such as Cesar Maia, who defended them, and to many other politicians, to which them helped, elected, or they elected themselves, you know, like a lot of states, congress people were directly militia people, or the daughters or the wives of them.
0: If you live in a militia-dominated area, you are completely aware that everything goes through them. They monopolized services such as illegal cable TV, internet, furniture, transportation, water and gas. Nothing is sold without their blessing and without their getting their cuts. And as the state remained absent, militias grew in power. Many would form alliances with the same drug cartels they were supposed to be fighting, and others began selling drugs themselves.
1: The drug traffickers have a very, very simple structure, right? Uh, they have a few, they have their own hierarchy that goes from the the guy who signals if the police is coming to the actual drug dealer who who operates like the commercial dealings and the guys who work like in security and the boss. You can't think of them in a mob mentality because they're not, they're not a mafia, they're more a confederation of gangsters, because they don't have a centralized leadership. Uh, in the case of the militia, it's it's a mob. So you have to, to think more like that the table in uh, The Godfather, which every family has a representative. They work together in the same objectives, even though they have a lot of internal strife.
0: Recently, real estate became the most profitable activity for Militias, as explains Alba Zaluar, a researcher of urban violence.
1: Militias, they underwent a process by which they became more businesslike, more well-organized. After dealing with a small local business, they started a bigger enterprise that was linked to what is called grillage in Brazil. That is, the invasion of land, the registration of this land as if it was legal property, building either houses or buildings. It, this was an enormous and very lucrative business that took place in the areas of the city where land was not properly registered. There, there was a lot of informality in real estate dealings, transactions in this area. It's called the uh, West
0: Zone. A decade ago, militia members would be featured in many photos with politicians. They even ran for office and used their strength and influence on their home turf to get their votes for city council and state congress. In 2007, then governor of Rio, Sergio Cabral, inaugurated a water supply network alongside two politicians who are also leaders of the city's most powerful paramilitary group. This camaraderie started to change in 2008 when an armed militia captured and brutally tortured two journalists from Rio's daily newspaper Ogia, as well as their driver. The reporters were investigating the connections between militias and political candidates. They went undercover in a favela and blended in, but were later exposed. Their case was portrayed in the movie Elite Squad 2, which portrays the militia problem in Rio de Janeiro after that, over eleven 1, hundred militiamen were put behind bars, including two hundred and nineteen police officers and one state congressman. in two thousand and eight, Rio State Congress concluded a hearings committee that investigated the operation of urban militias. The committee, presided over by state congressman Marcelo Freixo, ended up indicting over 250 people. But little has been done to curb militia's power in Rio. Over the entire year of 2018, Rio was under federal intervention with the army operating as law enforcement. Curiously, no militia-controlled area was targeted.
1: Some police investigations that are successful in arresting foot soldiers, essentially, But, you know, to solve this problem in a more comprehensive way, you have to focus on getting these people out of the uniforms. You have to sack a lot of police officers. You have to sack a lot of firefighters. You have to sack a lot of people. It's very popular in a state that's riddled with crime to sack, let's say, 10,000 police officers. So no one wants to take the political hit of doing so.
0: During the 2016 municipal election in Rio de Janeiro, militias were connected to at least five politically motivated murders. And from Rio oldest militia, formed in the community of Rio das Pedras in the west portion of the city, we have the birth of the Office of Crime, arguably the deadliest and most secretive death squad in Rio de Janeiro. They are pointed out as being the assassins of Rio City Councilwoman Marielle Franco, on March 14th,
1: 2018. It wasn't an ordinary murder. It was an attempt to silence a voice. Every time we mentioned the word militia, we could sense real hesitation. People lowered their voices. Some were even wary of saying the word militia, afraid that their neighbours might belong to one of the gangs that are growing in the shadows of a city struggling with debt and abandoned by authorities. Two
0: women link Senator Flávio Bolsonaro The president's eldest son to the office of crime. For years, he employed the wife and mother of a former police captain accused of being one of the heads of the death squad. Faced with the accusations, Flávio Bolsonaro denied any wrongdoing and said he's the victim of a smear campaign. But we must remember that he and his father have supported militias and death squads in the past. Enquanto o Estado tiver coragem para adotar a pena de morte, Esse grupo de entender, são muito bem-vindos. não tiver espaço na Bahia, pode ir Rio de Janeiro. Se de mim, terão todo apoio. Previously little known outside of Rio de Janeiro, the problem of urban militias has become a national talking point. Recent developments have shown people around the country just how desperate the situation is in Rio. The investigations into the assassination of Marielle Franco and the money laundering accusations against Flávio Bolsonaro could well provide us more information on exactly how far this illegal power structure goes. And here at the Brazilian Report, we will be following both cases closely.
1: Eu equipamento nem a polícia tem Segurança do
0: lado, If you like this podcast, please rate us on whatever platform you use for listening to podcasts It helps us a lot And take a look at our website, it's brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance and society. We've also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed about what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now to our free trial and enjoy all of our content for 7 days. And it's really free, you don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at BrazilianReport. That's all for now. See you next week.